uh, Matthew 11, verses 16 through 24. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. Thus ends our reading of God's authoritative word. May all who hear it discover true wisdom in Jesus Christ. How many of you have ever heard the slogan, have it your way? Burger King came up with this saying about 46 years ago in an, in an effort to compete with McDonald's. Instead of having a, a, a prefabricated hamburger, the idea is that you can build your burger any way you like. If you want to have extra pickles, you can just order them. If you don't like mustard, you, you can leave it off. It's all up to your taste, your wants. In, in our text for today, Jesus speaks to a people who had this Burger King mentality when it came to the things of God. They, they, they had a certain way in which they wanted God to act and behave. In other words, they, they wanted him their way or not at all. Now, before we jump into our passage, let's, let's gain some context first. Earlier in, in this chapter, um, if you have been uh, attending our services, uh, we've been going through the Gospel of Matthew for quite some time. And earlier in chapter 11, we, we saw that John the Baptist, the, this man who was sitting in, in Herod's prison, he had sent his disciples to Jesus in order to find out if he truly was the Messiah, this, this one who was to come. Yes, even John the Baptist struggled with doubts. But, but it's not that John didn't have faith. Rather, he was looking to confirm his belief in the midst of his doubt. And the reason he doubted was because he was confused about the timing of certain prophecies. You see, Jesus wasn't exactly behaving as John expected. For, for, for Christ was not bringing the judgment of God upon the wicked. At least not yet. But in answer to his friend, Jesus pointed John back to the book of Isaiah, demonstrating that he truly was fulfilling uh, the, all these prophecies concerning himself. But as for God's judgment, that would have to wait. But in case anyone thought that John was not the prophet he claimed to be, Jesus then vouched for this man among the crowds as being the greatest of the Old Testament prophets. 
And the reason he was the greatest, because, because John got to usher in the Messiah. Out of all who were before him, John was the one who had the closest proximity to Jesus. That is what made him great. He, he was that herald that the king sent beforehand to, to declare the king's arrival. And yet as great as John was, those who are least in the kingdom of heaven, they are even greater. Their proximity is even closer. They get to witness more and, and have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and what he came to do. And yet, as, as we'll see, with, with this greater revelation comes greater accountability. And it was this new generation that had been given more than even John the Baptist. Would they believe in this Messiah? Would they trust in Jesus, even if he didn't look the way they wanted him to look? Let's, let's jump into our text and, and find out. Look at look at. Matthew 11, verses 16 and 17. To what can I compare this generation? They are like children sitting in the marketplaces and calling out to others. We played the flute for you, and you did not dance. We sang a dirge, and you did not mourn. How many of you parents have ever had a child that was uh, very meticulous in how they play their games? They make up their own set of rules, and if, if you don't follow those rules, if, if they don't get their own way, they throw a fit. We, we typically see this when they are very young, before they learn the, the, the social norms of playtime. Of course, when a child does this, the, the game tends to lose its fun. Does it not? This, this is what Jesus was talking about. He, he begins his criticism with this short little parable comparing his generation to these disgruntled children. Children who are, who are playing their songs in, in the hopes of getting people to dance for them. It, it was a little game that they were playing with their own sets of rules that they expected everyone else to follow. It was designed for their own entertainment. Jesus was saying that his generation were like these children. They were, they, they were both selfish and demanding. And we, and we see this played out in what he says next. Uh, look at verses 18 and 19. For John came neither eating nor drinking, and they say, He has a demon. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Here is a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of tax collectors and sinners. But wisdom is proved right by her actions. John and Jesus had different approaches when it came to ministry. And it's not like they were preaching a different message, mind you. Rather, they, they, they were placing emphasis on different portions of that message. John lived an ascetic life, setting up camp in the wilderness, allowing the people to come to him. He, he ate simple foods and often fasted. He, he wore a coarse material made up of camel's hair. 
And he did all of this to, to accentuate his teaching, which was a message of impending judgment and a need to repent. Jesus, on the other hand, he, he walked among the people. He ate with them and, and he drank their wine. And as we learned in chapter 9, neither he nor his disciples fasted because how can the guests of the bridegroom mourn while he is with them? His was a message of good news, the gospel of the kingdom. Yes, he, he, he called people to repentance, but he led them there through God's blessings first. This is what we observed in the, in the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus began with the Beatitudes, or God's blessings. So, so what we see in both John and Jesus is this distinction between the Old Covenant and the New, between the Law and the Gospel. John gave a heavy dose of the Law, while Jesus brought the Gospel. And it's not that these things uh, compete with one another. In, in fact, they, they complement each other greatly. For the law, it, it pricks our conscience, it pricks our hearts, demonstrating to us how sinful we really are and our need for a Savior. The gospel, the gospel then rescues us by bringing to us the mercy of God that can only be found in this messianic king, Jesus Christ. But what does Jesus tell us? That the people rejected both. With John, they said he had a demon. Why? Because the law was too much for them to bear. They wanted to make merry while he was fasting. And yet with Jesus, they, they, they called him a glutton and a drunkard, a friend of sinners. Again, why? Because the freedom that he offered in this good news of the kingdom it, it, it poked holes in their, in their man-made traditions and their social norms. Are you catching on? John's devotion to the law was too much for them to handle. And yet, at the same time, the people couldn't accept the extraordinary grace that was coming from Jesus because it was changing their way of life. In other words, they couldn't handle the full dose of God's law while at the same time, they, they, they couldn't let go of their man-made traditions. This is Burger King all over again. They wanted to have it their way. But is our generation any different? This, this slogan, have it your way, it, it encapsulates one aspect of how our society has progressed in the past 50 years. As we have moved further and further away from the Bible, we have become more and more self-serving and entitled. We want to have everything just the way we want it. And, it, and if it's different, then, then we whine and complain. And many have taken the same attitude into the church. They want to have their God served up to them the way they want him. It's like they can just step up to the counter and order them up just as they would a burger. Excuse me, this order's to go. I I would like my God light on the law, but, but not too light, for I don't want anyone to get away with the sins that, that I don't like. And, and throw on some of these man-made laws as well, just to, just to spice things up a bit. 
for there for there are certain things that the that the Bible won't condemn that that need a little condemning. Also, could I could I get my God with some extra forgiveness, but but, but not too much, for I don't want God to to be forgiving everyone. You see, there there are certain people that have crossed the line that I have drawn in the sand, and and they they just need some justice. Unfortunately, this is the way many in the West today, many in the church even, think of God. They believe that he should be exactly like they are. And so they, they reject the God of the Bible and trade him in for an idol of their own making. But what does Jesus say? Wisdom is proved right by her actions. Both John's message and Jesus' message will be vindicated in the end. For both the law and the gospel are necessary for salvation. The law in that it displays God's justice, revealing man to be sinful and in need of a savior. The gospel in that it, in that it demonstrates God's love and his desire to rescue his people. Bottom line is this. If you don't understand John, then you won't understand Jesus. How about you? Are you willing to accept all the aspects of God? Do you see your need for both his law and his gospel? Are you, are you willing to embrace things that are written in the Bible, even though they don't agree with your social norms? And are you willing to let go of your man-made traditions and live in the freedom that comes through Jesus? Dear friends, Jesus died on that cross in order to release you from these burdens. He, he took upon himself your sins, which, which condemn you, and he, and he paid the penalty that you deserve. He then rose from the dead three days later, bringing victory over sin, death, and the devil. He now extends that victory to you. Will you turn from your sins? Will you turn away from your unbelief and trust in him alone? Will you lay down your, your, your childish ways and surrender to his will? But there were many in Jesus' day who did not repent. There were many who did not believe. For them, Jesus had this to say. L look at our last set of verses. Math Matthew chapter 11, verses 20 through 24. Then Jesus began to denounce the cities in which most of his miracles had been performed, because they did not repent. Woe to you, Chorazin! Woe to you, Bethsaida! If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. But I tell you, it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon on the day of judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be lifted up to the skies? No, you will go down to the depths. If the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. But I tell you, that it will be more bearable for Sodom on the day of judgment than for you. What is Jesus doing here? He is casting judgment on some of the cities in Galilee. 
Up to now, Jesus had restricted his ministry to this region that was north of Samaria. And the three cities that he was denouncing, Chorazin, Bethsaida, and Capernaum, were all relatively close to one another. They were, they were in the heart of his ministry, where the good news was preached, and where he performed many miracles. In fact, Capernaum was Jesus' base of operations. Just go back and look through chapters 8 and 9, and you'll see all of this. From the cleansing of the leper to the raising of the dead, Jesus had put his kingdom authority on display for all to witness. The blind could see. The deaf could hear. The, the, the lame were now walking. Demons were being cast out. And the people of these cities, they witnessed all these things. Now remember, John the Baptist, we talked about this earlier, he was considered the greatest of all the Old Testament prophets because of his proximity to Christ. He, he not only got to witness this Messiah, but, but he baptized him as well. And he heard the voice of the Father saying this about Jesus, This is my Son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. And yet... Those who are least in the kingdom of heaven are greater than John the Baptist. Why? Because they have been given a greater revelation. And with this greater understanding comes greater accountability. This is why Jesus compares these cities. Uh, he, he compares them to places like Tyre and Sidon. Who were they? They, they, they were Phoenician cities uh, located on the Mediterranean. And these cities, they, they were denounced by many of the Old Testament prophets, not only for their Baal worship, but for their treachery among the people of Judah. Look at, look at Joel chapter 3, verses 4 through 8. Now what have you against me, O Tyre and Sidon, and all your regions of Philistia? Are you repaying me for something I have done? If you are paying me back, I will swiftly and speedily return on your own heads what you have done. For you took my silver and my gold and carried off my finest treasure to your temples. You sold the people of Judah and Jerusalem to the Greeks that, that you might send them far from their homeland. See, I'm going to rouse them out of the places which you sold them, and I will return on your own heads what you have done. I will sell your sons and daughters to the people of Judah, and they will sell them to the Sabaeans, a nation far away. These Phoenician people were, what they were doing, they were capturing and trading as slaves to the Greeks, God's people. This is why judgment came upon them. They were a wicked nation, only giving thought to themselves. But what does Jesus say? If the miracles that were performed in you, in, in Chorazin, in Bethsaida, if those miracles had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. Ouch. But what about Capernaum and, and its comparison to Sodom? From Genesis 19, we know that God destroyed the city of Sodom by, by raining down burning sulfur. Why did he do it? Uh, in the book of Ezekiel, we, we discover the full extent of Sodom's iniquities. 
We'll look at Ezekiel 16, verses 49 through 50. Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They did not help the poor and needy. They were haughty and did, det and did detestable things before me. Therefore I did away with them, as you have seen. Arrogant, overfed, unconcerned. They ignored the poor. They were haughty and did detestable things, committing sexual sins that were unnatural, even committing rape. But what does Jesus say? If the miracles that were performed in Capernaum had been performed in Sodom, it would have remained to this day. In other words, the people of this generation, the, the, the people who had witnessed Jesus were worse than the arrogant and the selfish and the unconcerned. They, they would get judged harsher than the sexually immoral, than, than, than those who made a profit in the slave industry. And it's not because they were committing more heinous sins. In fact, by all appearances, these people were living upright lives. But they had rejected the message of John the Baptist. And more importantly, they had rejected their Messiah. Think about it. They got to witness Jesus in all his kingdom authority, and yet they refused to repent. They refused to believe. How about our generation? How would we fare in the eyes of Jesus? We may not have Jesus performing miracles in our midst, but we have something that that generation did not have. We have the entirety of God's word. Listen, we have been given a great gift, for we have a fuller understanding of who Jesus is and why he came. His word is clear. We are sinners in need of a Savior. That is the message of the law. And Jesus, this one who is fully God and fully man, he came to rescue us, even though we don't deserve it. That is the message of the gospel. The question is, will our generation act like children, wanting to have a God that follows our rules? Will we have that Burger King mentality, thinking that we can pick and choose the God that we want? Or will we repent and trust in Jesus, knowing that his word is firm and that he is our only hope of salvation? Today, God is speaking to us very loudly, not only through his word, but through this pandemic that is happening around the globe. He, he, he is crushing the idols that we have built up for ourselves, that we have put our hopes in. And he is doing this because he loves us and desires to draw us to him. Stop clinging to these false gods that you have created and grab hold of Jesus. Maybe you are here today and, and you are already a Christian, but there are certain aspects of the Bible that, that, that you haven't been able to swallow. Now is the time to repent. It's time to grow up, swallow your pride, and believe in his word. 
Or perhaps you are not a Christian because the God of the Bible, he doesn't fit your criteria of what a good God should be. Let this warning of Jesus be a warning to you as well. Let it, let it motivate you to surrender your will and look to the cross. For if you turn in faith to Jesus, he will save you. I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Let us pray. Father, we confess to you that we are a finicky people, wanting everything in life to meet our own needs, our own standards. Help us to repent. Help, help us to relinquish our will and surrender to yours. We can only do this by the power of your Holy Spirit. May we stop worshiping all these false idols and bow down to your Son, King Jesus. We pray this in his name. Amen.